Join founder of I Am a Watchman Ministries, Scott Townsend, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall. Welcome to today's episode of A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burrows, along with I'm a Watchman Managing Editor, Joe Kerr, who is guest hosting for Scott. Thank you for joining us today. And in this episode, we are joined by author and radio host Jill Martin Ritchie. Jill received her BA in Biblical Literature with an emphasis on the Old Testament and the Hebrew language from Oral Roberts University and her MA in Humanities and History from California State University. Jill is a co-founder of Walter Martin Ministries and WAJC-FM. She is the author and co-author of many books, including The Well-Known Kingdom of the Occult and Through the Windows of Heaven. Jill also serves as managing editor for Walter Martin's 45-year bestseller, The Kingdom of the Cults. Jill, welcome to A View from the Wall today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yes, and Jill, many of our listeners may know you from your work on your father's book, The Kingdom of the Cults, yet you've also co-authored a book called The Kingdom of the Occult. And so as we begin today, take a moment to talk with us about the principle of kingdoms that are described in these books and how it applies to those who are listening today. Well, you know, the kingdom of the occult simply refers to uh, hidden or secret things. And those things are powered by, of course, um, Satan and uh, that power of evil, which is the weaker power. And, uh, you know, this is one thing our culture always uh, tells us from the time we're born. And I think it's one of those lies that are out there. And that is that good and evil are equal, but they are not. God is by far the greatest. He is the creator, and Satan is the creation. Yes. So when we talk about kingdoms, we go directly to the Bible, and the Bible tells us that we live in a multidimensional reality. So there is the reality of heaven, the reality of this earth, and the reality of hell. So the Bible specifically spells out that there are different dimensions with different levels of power. God, of course, is the greatest. So I always go to the scripture when it comes to these definitions, because it can get confusing otherwise. Yes. So we are in a battle against the kingdom of darkness, and that, the kingdom of darkness, my father used to describe, has like a doorway, and it's cracked open on our side. And when people approach that doorway and try to open it, what comes through is uh, the power of you know, the the worst kind of evil you can imagine. So that is who we are in battle against. But the wonderful news is, is that we have the greater power and we have the victory. Jill, that's outstanding. Thank you. That's a great definition of it. Uh, As we talk about the occult, sometimes there is some confusion on that because people think occult and witches and Satanism and all those things are the same thing, but they're not really all the same thing. As a matter of fact, some of those participants get offended if you call a witch a Satanist or the other way around. Talk about that a little bit. Kind of give us some definition. Well, you know, I always go back to 1 Timothy 4.1, and in that we hear, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That is Didascalius demonion. So forgive my Greek if I'm not doing that exactly right, but those are two words that are used in the New Testament and they appear together only once. Uh, 
and that is a doctrine of the demons. So the demons, the scripture tells us, have a doctrine that they have promoted down through time. And as part of this doctrine, they teach different things. Now, when it comes to Satanism, there is the worship of Satan, but that is the old definition of Satanism. You know, they're constantly shifting things and and presenting them in a new way to a new group of people. And they have a lot of experience dealing with us as they, you know, they kind of reinvent everything to fit that generation. So now today we have all different flavors of Satanism. Satan really isn't a real being. He is, you know, the embodiment of evil. Or as the Satanic Temple is now teaching, they are the latest uh, flavor of Satanism, as they are now teaching, uh, Satan is good. Satan is the embodiment of everything good, everything right. When you stand against, you know, uh, the limitations of speech or censorship, when you're standing against censorship, you are literally um, doing good in the name of Satan. That's what's out there right now. Then you have witchcraft. Witchcraft used to be everything bad down through the centuries. If you look at history, and history, by the way, is our friend. If you look at history, you can see that witchcraft has always been evil. In every culture, it has been been treated that way. But today, under the doctrine of the demons, it is being transformed again into something good, into nature-loving, peaceful, white witchcraft. So, you know, they have their set of beliefs. Satanism has their set of beliefs. And honestly, the two of them don't always get along. In fact, their pattern in history has been that they do not get along. They end up fighting usually with each other over doctrine. Wow. We shouldn't really be surprised that Satan's ministers and demons act just like he does. Lying, cheating, Mm -hmm. discord, a mess. Exactly. And, you know, the Bible shows us that these are intelligent beings and that there are different levels of intelligence and different levels of power. So, uh, you know, and Jesus considered it to be something important. God considered it to be something important because uh, three out of the four Gospels spend a huge portion of that space teaching us how to deal with this kind of evil. And Jesus, of course, showed us how incredibly powerful he is, that at the name of Jesus, they flee, they cower, they run. So they are afraid of us. And this is one thing, too, that we have to take from the Gospels, that we have this incredible power in the name of Jesus Christ to defeat these enemies that come against us. I'm so glad you brought that up, because we talk a lot about balance with watchmen in the very literal sense. As a watchman, you walk the narrow wall in the dark at night, and so balance was important. But we use that principle in the present as well. We see so much about the occult now. Television, it's everywhere. It seems like Mm -hmm. it's increased, and we certainly hear more about it. Is that just because of the internet and all the sources of information we have, or is it really intensifying? Well, you know, in this countdown to eternity, that's what I, how I, I always tend to look at things. We are in the countdown to eternity, and in it, evil will rise. That's what Scripture tells us. And so we see this explosion now of evil and different beliefs. Paganism is literally off the charts. And again, you know, someone who is a Satanist can be a pagan. Someone who is a Satanist 
can be a witch. They have kind of interchangeable definitions of what they believe, and that goes back to the fact that absolute truth is under attack. But pagan beliefs uh, are really, there are some central ones, and that is that um, there are many gods and goddesses, and Jesus is really not very important otherwise, other than the fact that, you know, he was a wise man. And he could possibly even have been a witch, believe it or not. That's that's what they will say. And, you know, they say there really is no such thing as evil. There's no original sin. However, we somehow need reincarnation. There's no original sin and no evil, but we need to reincarnate all the time for some reason. So, I mean, there are these pagan beliefs that are central to that, um, but it's really uh, a time where evil has come out of the broom closet, as the witches say, and it is right there in our faces everywhere. And we turn on our computers, we turn on our TVs, and there it is right out there. And now it's being presented as something good. The Washington Post runs articles on how Satan is good. And Satanism is a positive thing. And Christianity is a wicked, evil thing. So see, we see, we are, we are actually seeing the scriptures fulfilled right now. You know, good will be called evil. Evil will be called good some insightful words and we hope you're enjoying our conversation with Jill Martin Ritchie and we encourage you to stay with us we'll be right back with more on A View from the Wall From I Am a Watchman Ministries here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute Do you study the Word of God? It's a discipline God appreciates and expects to see in His people In the book of Acts, believers in the early church were commended because they studied the scriptures daily. When you hunger for God's word, you will find wisdom, insight, and blessing. In fact, a hunger for the word is an evidence of true faith in Christ. The I'm a Watchman ministry exists to inspire, encourage, and equip believers. The I'm a Watchman ministry offers free resources designed to help you learn who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he is about to do. There are articles, ebooks, teaching kits, videos, and more. Don't be content with a basic knowledge of God and spiritual things. Dig deep, for that's where the treasure is. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're talking with author and speaker Jill Martin Ritchie. And in this segment, we want to address the role of the local church because this is such a critical part of our ministry, and we know it is for Jill as well. And Jill, in these last days, we could point to many negatives that are seen in the church and our culture today, but our goal is to help listeners enhance local church ministry, not complain about it, not mistreat the bride of Christ, but to encourage. What role should we play in building up the local church today? Well, I I was listening to your broadcast, and I love uh, what Nathan Jones said, that so many times um, people in the church, whether, you know, it's it's me or you or someone who has, you know, um, a multi-million, you know, outreach. It's, it's, it, who, it doesn't matter. Um, we tend to sometimes focus on what is going on around us specifically or individually, but prophecy allows us to climb the mountain and overlook everything that is happening. And when you do that, hope 
is restored, that hope of looking for him, that hope that, oh, I see how the landscape lays out. When we look at Israel, we see all those things that are happening there. I would say to the church, learn, study prophecy. Learn to climb that mountain to see that Israel has returned to her land, that it was restored to Jewish hands after 2,000 years. The desert blooms, Hebrew language is spoken, all these incredible things have happened. The Bible is alive. It is a supernatural book and is a book of prophecy, and it is giving us the tools we need, the hope we need, the direction we need to deal with things that are happening in our world every day. And whether your ministry is something that reaches globally or reaches to your local church, they are equally important. And we need to equip those that God has given us the responsibility for. Today, when I was preparing, I I had prayed that, you know, the Lord would direct me in this. And he pointed me immediately to 1 Peter. And when you read First Peter, you go to that. It says, shepherd the flock. Yes. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And this chapter is incredible. It goes step by step into the things that we need to do as leaders. We need to humble ourselves, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And God, you know, he goes on to say, humble yourselves. So we as leaders, those of us who are leaders need to be humble and realize that we are not any better than anyone else. We all have a purpose in the body of Christ to do those things that he calls us to do. And that the anxieties sometimes of living in this world, which can be so overwhelming, are things that we need to turn and cast on him. Cast all your anxieties on him and exhort people to cast those anxieties and those cares. I mean, I, someone once told me there's like, do not fear is written through the Bible more than 365 times. That's more than one for every day of the yes. year. Do not fear. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes fear takes over those in leadership and takes over those in the church. And it's hard to be what the Bible tells us to be, which is sober-minded, be watchful. Why? You know, because the devil likes it when we are distracted. If we're distracted, then our armor may not be put on correctly. If we're distracted, then we don't go to the Lord to be renewed and go to our leaders and go to those around us to be sharpened. Iron sharpens iron. And so we need to focus on following those things he tells us to do in First Peter 5 to resist the devil to stand against him, to actively go out in this time when he has removed the mask. The mask is off his face. He is out of the closet. He is being called good, and we cannot allow that to stand because this is a fight against absolute truth. They want to destroy absolute truth. I mean, in our culture, we all know, would you Uh, Joe, would you, Dylan, would you want to go to a surgeon and walk in there and say, okay, I'm going to do heart surgery on you, and you go into the operating room, and he he pulls up a picture of your lung, and you say, well, that's not my heart, and he says, oh, well, it's the heart to me. (laughs) 
because he's redefining biologically what a heart and what a lung is. We wouldn't want that in medicine. We would not want that in biology. We cannot tolerate that when it comes to our faith. We cannot. And they want to go in and redefine everything and everyone. They want to change who God is change who Jesus is, change who the Holy Spirit is, and elevate the devil to a position far above them. This has never been down through history. The church has not tolerated it. We cannot tolerate it today. We have to resist him. We have to stand firm in the faith. And we know that around the world, there are so many people who are suffering for this. So we need to support those around the world, like those in South Africa. I heard from a pastor in South Africa this morning who just found out that uh, a friend of his, another pastor, was killed in front of his church this morning. And he, this particular pastor, was almost killed a few hours ago. He almost had his car hijacked. He was shot at, and the bullet just barely missed him. These are things that are real that we don't hear about. In the news, but if you have people on the ground there in these countries, you know what they are going through is absolutely horrific. So we need to support them in whatever ways we possibly can and support each other, raise up the name of God, glorify the name of God whenever possible, and He will bless that. Amen. And Joe, jump in here a little bit and share a little bit more about this idea of how we can build up the local church working together today. Joe, we have contact now with a little over 30,000 watchmen around the world, all different countries, I think uh, over a hundred different countries and a number of different languages. We found in doing surveys with that group of people, less than 10% of the people who call themselves watchmen, and you know what I'm talking about when we say watchmen, you talk about that, Jan Markell talks about that, Amir Sarfati, many people talk about watchmen somebody who's ready to watch, warn, witness, and finish well, and they interpret today's events in light of the Bible. So as watchmen, very few watchmen are ministry professionals, pastors, professional teachers in churches, staff members, things like that. Most of them are just Joe and Dylan and Bob and Sue and regular people. How can watchmen who aren't in positions of leadership and aren't in the pulpit work with their pastors to bring this message of Bible prophecy with an end times focus into their church? Because we understand they're frustrated if they don't hear it. How can they fix it? Because as much as we say there are problems in the church and apostasy is creeping in, that's obvious. This is still God's only resource for this dispensation is the church. So how do we get watchmen and pastors and churches to minister together to get this message out? Well, I think social media has really been a powerful thing. I think communicating online and talking with people, um, there are many ways that you can reach out to individuals, um, simply spreading the word of prophecy. I was just invited to a local church here, and uh, he had that intent. The person who invited me said, we want prophecy to We want to show people the power of it and how it can truly change the way you live every day. And so, you know, just even making a presentation yourself to the church, um, starting a class within the church, 
um, reaching out to your pastor to give him resources because um, pastors are so busy, as we all know, and uh, they really sometimes hardly have time from the moment they get into the church, the time they leave to sit down and study things, all the things that they would like to study. So helping your pastor with resources, pointing him to things that he might find encouraging, uplifting, uh, that type of thing is kind of a grassroots start in your own church, shake hands, share your knowledge with the people in your church. So I think that's a really good place to start. Another way to reach out, and this is into the community as far as sharing faith, is there's something called the Good News Clubs. And I don't know if many Christians are as familiar with this. It was a big deal years ago. But you can start, if you have a a student, a, a child or a grandchild in public school, you can start what's called a Good News Club. And that the school cannot stop you from doing that. If a student wants to have a good news club where you talk about the Bible, talk about prophecy, talk about all these things, you can do it in your local public school and they cannot legally stop you. Now, you may run into the satanic temple who, if they find out about you, will come and try to start, believe it or not, an after school Satan club. Amazing. That's what's out there right now. They are going for the children. So you, but you have that opportunity just as, you know, you know, a mom or a dad or a grandmother to go out into your local schools and reach out that way. And there are many ways, you know, that you can, many topics you can bring in under the Good News Club. That's great. And I love these positive ways that you as an individual can get involved in highlighting prophecy in your church or among your friends and in your community. And we're going to take a break, but there's more to come. So join with us in a moment for more on A View from the Wall. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We are talking with author and speaker Jill Martin-Ritchie. And in this final segment, we want to discuss focus and perspective, the Watchman's spiritual vision. And you know, as we record, we are approaching the Easter season. We're reminded that the resurrection was victory for Jesus as well as a defeat of Satan. I love how Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, Jill, I want to bring this to you and ask, how does this victory impact our worldview, even when things seem to be going the devil's way in our culture? Oh, that is a great question. I I truly believe that that points us to what is coming. The great blessing, the joy that is coming for us and to us, because God has promised that He is creating for us an incredible place. We are here fighting right now in a very dark place, but I love how Easter reminds me that what I have coming when I look at Jesus rising from the dead, defeating all of his enemies and coming back for us, Easter reminds me of eternity, that we have this joy, we have this incredible, amazing experience to look forward to for the rest of our lives. This is victory, that our enemies have been defeated, that though we fight now in a really hard place, we have an incredible thing to look forward to. So victory is 
power, in my opinion, power for living, power for living. Yes. That we do not have to walk around sad and depressed and anxious. So many are anxious today. I think they did, you know, who knows how many polls on anxiety <laughs> and it's, it's off the charts. Right. And suicide is just, they don't even talk about how many people are killing themselves now because people get too depressed. They go on Facebook and they kill themselves on Facebook, on video. And this is, you know, what is happening in our society because we have rejected God. We are in the post-Christian era. We have rejected God. And if history teaches us anything, it teaches us that down through the centuries, when you reject God, what happens afterwards is disaster. So now we are living in an empty, atheistic type society, and they are medicating the daylights out of everyone, but they cannot stop the anxiety and stop the depression. And this is not something that Christians should be carrying on their shoulders. We look to Jesus, to his victory, to the joy of what is to come, and that should bring us huge peace that passes understanding. When um, Kurt Van Gordon, my father's great, amazing researcher, and I were working on the kingdom of the occult, we were literally surrounded by darkness. We were surrounded by books on witchcraft, paganism, all these awful, horrible things that are incredibly difficult to look to and read through. And you want to do that because you want to quote them accurately. You want to be fair to what their beliefs are. But when we were doing this, and you should never do it unless you feel God has called you to it, when we were going through all these dark things, God gave us a verse, and it was, The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we prayed that verse, and we took it to heart, and we praised God. As we were going through all these dark things, we praised Him. We said, this is all defeated. This is done. This is over with. Praise God. And we never had that terrible anxiety or oppression the entire time that we were working on that book. And I think that applies to our daily lives, that if you praise God, if you give Him the glory, if you ask Him for the direction in your life, if you focus on the power of the resurrection and the power of victory, that is something that can take us through the darkest of times here on Earth. And Jill, I so appreciate your positive approach to facing the evils that we see in our culture today. And Joe, as we continue our discussion, we want to talk a little bit about this concept of revival. Is it possible? to us a little bit about that. Well, I think that, again, I always go back to history because, of course, I'm a historian, so I'll put on my little professor hat and go back to history. And you can follow the revivals down through history. That has been God's pattern. Darkness comes, people rebel, they reject God, punishment comes, and then comes revival and healing. So I do not like to limit God. I know that personally, I look every day, I look up, as Jan Markell says, look up, and I, I watch for the return of the Lord. But I do not limit Him as far as when He is going to come back, could be any moment, I don't know. And I do not limit him and what he can do in people's hearts. God is constantly working in the hearts of people. 
if we go on YouTube and you pull up um, Muslim conversions or um, Muslim testimonies, they're amazing. They just absolutely are mind-boggling what God is doing on an individual basis in the hearts of Muslim people and how they find him without anyone sometimes ever even telling them more than a sentence or two. So that, in my mind, is a picture of a revival, a start, you know, a revival of the power of the Spirit of God in people's hearts. And this is also, you know, there are many, there's a lot of positive news, Dylan. People are coming out of witchcraft. Jesus is calling people out of Mormonism, Amen. out of Jehovah's Witnesses. Mormonism is dying. They won't tell you that, and they act like it is not. But it's funny how their statistics never change. Year after year after year, they're always the same. And the same with the Jehovah's Witness. It is on the downswing, on the downturn. There are wonderful things happen. Christian science, that used to be a huge cult. Christian science is dying. So I think that the power of the Holy Spirit in this world is at work. And I never like to limit God and say that there cannot be a revival in the hearts of people. There cannot be a revival in the church because he will do what he will do, and it will bring him the glory. Joe, we appreciate you carrying on the legacy and carrying that mantle of Dr. Walter Martin. A lot of our listeners recognize that name. I took that class with comparative religions, and that was the textbook when I was in Bible (laughs) college. You carry a lot of weight carrying that mantle. Uh, As we wrap up our time together, we always try to give our guests an opportunity to speak directly to that community of watchmen. If you had the ear of that 30,000 plus watchmen around the world, what would you say? I would say that conflict comes into our lives so many times in so many different ways. And it can slow us down. It can depress us. It can cause us to question. But my father used to say something really wonderful, and he said, controversy for the sake of controversy is sin. But controversy for the sake of truth is a divine command. So if you find yourself in the heart of conflict, in the heart of controversy, you are in the exact place God wants you to be. You are there to take a stand, to be salt, to be light. Salt, you know, we always go to the light part because I think that's the happy part. We bring light. But the, mm-hmm. the, salt, the salt part does not get talked about that much. And if you look at how salt is used, uh, yes, it flavors. Yes, it seasons. And that's the positive side that we hear. But we don't hear a lot about how it burns. Right. It hurts sometimes to use salt to clear away things that are bad. And we cannot turn from the Word of God because it is salt and light, and it will hurt sometimes. It will cut deeply into someone's heart, and it will cause them to think. Sometimes they may not be very happy with you. But one thing my father always said was, I've heard so many times how Mormons hate me, they hate me, they hate me, they hate me. And they become so angry by what I say that they go out and are determined to prove me wrong. And then they come back and help you at a meeting and they come back and help you standing there afterwards and Mormon after Mormon after Mormon 
year after year would come up and throw their arms around him and hug him and say, thank you for telling me the truth. And that is what Walter Martin needs. Wow, that is so good. a, A legacy of truth. And sometimes when you teach truth, it's not always a happy, bright time. Sometimes it sheds light on things that are very dark. And that's where leaders are so needed to be able to be brave and strong and courageous and to face controversy for the sake of truth. That is the divine command. Oh, what a wonderful testimony. So good, so good. Yes, and Jill, we want to thank you again for joining us at A View from the Wall. And we encourage you to find out more about Jill's ministry at waltermartin.com. That's waltermartin.com. She also works with Jan Markell, and you can find out more about that at olivetreeviews.org. And finally, we want to encourage you to check out IamAWatchman.com and subscribe to our email for all of the latest. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube or the podcast at SoundCloud.com slash IamAWatchman. And we look forward to joining you next time here together on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am A Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.